0: So, we've been working through this series, uh, Who Needs Christmas? And, and this is, this is really meant to be said sarcastically. It's like, who really needs Christmas? You know, we get into the midst of this season and there's so much going on. You've got relatives coming in town. There's, there's more stuff to do on the agenda. And it's almost like, gosh, why do we, why do we put so much, um, you know, elevation in this, in this moment? And, and oftentimes because of that, we forget why we're really celebrating Advent what we're, we're doing. And so I'm very, I'm, I'm excited uh, for us to be in the midst of this, this series. You know, two weeks ago, we talked about the reason Jesus, one of the titles he was given, the, the reason Jesus um, came to us is to demonstrate what it means to, uh, to express to experience a wonderful counselor. Last week, it was mighty God today is everlasting father. And next week, we're going to talk about Prince of peace. And, and so here's what I want to do today. I, I want us to read Read our core scripture together. And um, we're, we're in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'm going to invite everybody to stand up. We don't usually do this, uh, but I, I think it's good for us to do this every once in a while. So we're going to read this together. Of course, the words are on the screen, so just follow along. Uh, well, I mean, read this out loud. Don't just read it with your eyes, but, you know, okay. We don't do it very often, so I have to explain it really well. Okay, I'm not doing a good job. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born. And to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to talk today about the Everlasting Father. And uh, I understand that this title might create a little bit of confusion. It doesn't seem like it belongs for, you know, the for Jesus, who is the son of God. And um, I want to I want to just point something out really quickly, because this particular scripture has created some debate over the years, which has led to a little bit of, of heresy. And um, and so this is this is important for us to understand is Isaiah is writing this text he is not arguing that Jesus is both the Son of God and also God the Father. Okay, Rather, he is saying that the Son of God, when he comes to us in the human form, in the incarnate, you know, the, 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 the baby, that he will have the character of what the perfect Father should have. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is like the Father that we have all longed for. Now, I personally was very fortunate to be raised by a wonderful father. My dad, uh, he's a great man. He's loving and caring. He's hardworking. He's very supportive and encouraging. And I, I could go on and on about my dad, George Shelley. Um, and uh, I do want to say that um, I mean he, he's not perfect, uh, but he's been a great model for me as I grow into my own fatherhood. And as I look out among many of you, I can see some of you, the lights are really bright. Um, but I, I can see I can see some of you, and I, I know that you are fathering your families well. I I I see how how you're you're caring for your kids and you're showing them love and you're raising them in the faith, and and all of that is wonderful. And and but as we talk about this today, I want to just make three things very clear. This sermon is is not about Shaming you as a father. Dads, that's not what this is about. We're not here to shame you. Two. This is not about um, shaming your fathers and, and any of the inadequies inadequacies that they may have had or failures that they had. And, and three, this is not a commentary on the role of the single mother. I want to point that out because uh, some of some of the things that might we might share could be painful, could bring up some emotional stress or uh, remind you of some trauma that you experienced. And and uh, and so I, I don't I don't. I don't want anyone to think this is uh, about any of that. Today really is about embracing the fullness of Jesus. Today today is about looking at his character and seeing how he mercifully fills the gaps of, in our lives where, where we may have experienced wounding from our own imperfect fathers. Uh, I know that many of you may have an adverse reaction to the idea of God as father or as, of Jesus as everlasting father, um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's so much that we've experienced at, at the hands of our fathers possibly that has created the greatest pain in our lives. Maybe, maybe your father abandoned you, or, or maybe he took out his frustration on you, or maybe he abused you in ways that are unmentionable. Maybe you never had a real connection with your dad, or, or maybe he passed away at an early age and you weren't even given that chance. Whatever the reason that you have, that may create some pain in your life. Uh, I, I want you to know that I'm very sorrowful for you. I, I feel sad that anyone might experience trauma at the hands of their dad. And so today, what I, how I really want to start is by praying. I want to pray for us as a community, as individuals, that we might understand what it means to experience Jesus as our everlasting father. That we might experience healing and redemption in the places where where we've experienced pain at the hands of our dads. And so if if you'll bow with me, let's just begin this with prayer. Dear Jesus, you are a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, our everlasting Father and a Prince of Peace. We pray that you would meet with us here today and that we might experience all of those facets of who you are. Open our hearts to your truth. We pray that you would heal our wounds. Jesus, that you might bind up the broken pieces of our lives. Mend our hearts, mend our minds. Jesus, we pray. That we might see how faithful and true you are. That we might experience your love and acceptance in a new way today. Lord, I pray that we might experience and understand new ways that we can support our brothers and sisters who have experienced pain and trauma at the hands of their fathers. May, may we show them how much you love them and how much you love us. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Father God. Come, Holy Spirit. Meet with us today, we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's some truth. This is hard truth, but it's truth. Fatherlessness is a huge issue facing our culture. More and more children have no idea how to fill out a form at school that asks them what their father's name is. This is, this is real. Over a third of all childbirths occur outside of marriage. Uh, and in more than two-thirds of those births, the father's name is left blank on the birth certificate. This is a huge issue for our culture, and we're seeing these results play out in really negative ways. Now, I'm not an expert here. I don't claim to be, uh, but I have um, done a little research and, and, and utilized the research of other folks uh, that's just showing us how fatherlessness is deeply destructive to children. Here are some statistics. Children in father-absent homes are five times more likely to be poor. Uh, Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Children of uh, prisoners are five times more likely to end up in prison. Teens without fathers are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity and seven times more likely to get pregnant as an adolescent. Children living in single-parent homes also have twice the risk of being physically or emotionally abused as children living in two-parent families. See, fatherlessness is plaguing us. And in 1999, 72.2% of the population of the United States identified fatherlessness as the most significant family or social problem facing America. Now, here's the problem with that statistic. I don't think it's been updated, but if we were to ask the same question to our population, I have a feeling that it would be a much lower percentage of people. See, the problem, it hasn't gone away. This issue of fatherlessness is just as significant, if not more significant today, than it was in 99. And and I would say that the consequences are just being exacerbated. So we have an issue here. And and to me, it's no surprise that an all-knowing God who chose to walk among us as a human would come with the characteristics of a perfect father. This is who we need. We need Jesus to be the everlasting father in our lives. We need this example, not only for our own healing and redemption, but also so that we can learn to love our children in the same way. Now, I don't want to bore you, but this is one thing that I'm, I'm really burdened with. And So here's a couple more statistics and truths that we need to point out today. In his book, Families and Faith, Vern Bingston says that studies conclusively show that the quality of a child's relationship to the father is the single most important factor about whether a child will adopt the faith of a parent. In other words, for a child to understand forgiveness, mercy, grace, salvation, for them to receive Jesus, the everlasting father, they need an earthly father in their life that not only believes in Jesus, but also strives to show their children the way, the love that Jesus loves them. Eric Metaxas also points out that almost all of the famous atheists of modernity Freud, Nietzsche, Sartre, Hume, Bertrand Russell, Madeleine Murray O'Hare all had one thing in common fatherlessness. Whether it was from an absentee father or trauma at the hands of their present father, um, they all had fatherlessness in their lives. In fact, Sigmund Freud noted. Nothing is more common than for a young person to lose faith in God when he loses respect for his father Now I understand that when we think about this this creates a lot of pressure on us Particularly as dads right there's there's but I want to say this There's not a single family unit in this auditorium that will experience the ideal father here on earth It it just won't happen. We can't be perfect nor will we have a father that is perfect, but God Always provides a way for his kingdom to come into our lives. All hope is not lost. Because of Jesus, we not only have a model for what the perfect father should look like, but we also have access to the perfect father. That's our hope. Now, what this means is that nothing in our lives is determined. Just because you had a bad dad or maybe you had an inept dad or an absent dad, that doesn't mean that our children are doomed or that you are doomed or any of that stuff. There, there's no inevitabilities. For those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the everlasting Father, there is hope and healing and redemption. Romans 8, 1-2 says, Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There are no inevitabilities. We don't have to turn out a certain way because of the circumstances that are in our life. All of those circumstances have been broken by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, when Isaiah says... For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What we need to understand here is that Jesus came to us to show us these things. He's demonstrating to us what an everlasting father is. And and, and I suspect that many of us understand God Through the lens of our earthly fathers. Now bear with me here while I make a statement. That might be a little confusing. Because most of us understand God through the the lens of our earthly fathers. I would suggest that we need a new God. What I mean by that is. We need to not understand him through that lens. But instead we need to understand God through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because. Because. While we have an earthly father that is flawed or absent or whatever else, the God of the Bible is not flawed in the way that our fathers were. The God of the Bible is not distant or absent. The God of the Bible is not stingy and will not fail to provide for us. The God of the Bible isn't hasty or thoughtless or overly permissive or lacking direction. The God of the Bible is exactly the father that we need. And Jesus introduces us to that kind of father. In John 14, uh, verses 7 through 9, Jesus has this interaction with one of his disciples, Philip. And uh, Philip is asking Jesus this very question. He wanted to know what a good father was. And Jesus responds to him, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus says to Philip, This is one of the reasons that I've come, is to show you what a good father, a perfect father, is like. And so when we look to the character of Jesus, we see the character of a perfect father. And, and one of the one of the primary characteristics of the everlasting Father has to do with this new understanding of God. See, you and I, if we view God through the lens of our earthly fathers, no matter how good he was or is, we need a new view of God. And this was true also for the contemporaries of Jesus. There's a, there's a word in the Bible that I'm pretty sure a lot of you are familiar with. Uh, and that, that word is Abba. How many, you guys, how many of you guys know it? I don't mean to embarrass you if you don't know it. Okay. A lot of you do. Yeah. That word Abba, it, it's, it's a, it's a title for daddy. It's a word that means daddy or father. It's a very intimate name that a child would use. For their daddy to call out to him. And, and when we look uh, to scripture, particularly the Old Testament, there's never an instance of a Jewish person looking to God and addressing him as Abba. Now, the Jewish people, they had an understanding of God as father. See, God introduced himself to them uh, as father 15 times in the Old Testament. But this intimate language of Daddy or of Abba, it didn't come until Jesus addressed God that way. And what happens is, as Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father... And as he's crying out to his daddy and he says, Abba, the disciples watch him do that. They see him model that kind of relationship that he has with the heavenly father. And they then start to teach. This is how we address God. And when we get to uh, in the New Testament, we start seeing the disciples teaching the Gentiles. This is the kind of connection that you have with the heavenly father. Galatians 4, 6 says this because you are his sons. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts and the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you re- you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. This is a demonstration of how Close and intimate and affectionate the Heavenly Father is to His children, to us. Some of us, our fathers were distant. Some of them were cold. They don't have time for us. They were too busy with work or they didn't know how to express their love for us. And, and so we, we experience an emotionally absent dad, an unapproachable dad. But with Jesus, we have so much more. It may be painful for you to think about a God that wants to wrap you up in His arms and draw you close to His face as He whispers in your ear that you are loved and accepted regardless of what you've done. That may be so foreign to you that it's, it's hard, but that is the kind of Heavenly Father that we have. It's important for us when we look up to God and we cry out to Him and we pray to Him that we understand that He loves and accepts us and wants to be close with us and He will hold on to us. One of my favorite stories in in all of Scripture is the story of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke 15. Uh, If you're not familiar with this story, it's about a boy who uh, decides that he wants to leave his family and go out on his own. So he takes the inheritance that's due him and uh, and he goes out and he lives a life uh, that's full of scandalous living, of bad decisions, of gluttonous choices. and, And ultimately, he finds himself poor and destitute. Right, he spent all of his money and he's at this place where he has nothing left. And so he decides that, uh, that he is going to go back to his father. And this is a really interesting thing for us, particularly as followers of Jesus, for, for us not to miss in this story. You see, there was, there was no point uh, in the story that the boy ever felt like he would not be able to return to his father, even though he had done so many terrible things. Even though he had essentially said to his dad, I'd rather you be dead and I have my money. He still knows that he can return to his father. Now he knows the relationship could be different, but he has no doubt that he can return. And then we get to this this particular verse Luke 15 verse 20. We have this beautiful picture of love and affection that comes from the father. It's a closeness that's that's so special that we should all long for. And this is this is how the story culminates. And and he arose and came to his father. So the son, he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And I want you to imagine this for a minute. This, this father, he's wealthy. He, 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 has, he has a lot of position within the community. And, 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 and people look to him as someone who, who has authority and respect and, and deserves it. And here's this man who's willing to, to gather up his clothing... To humble himself and to run out to his son that he loves. And then embrace him and kiss him and accept him back. And the story goes on and they throw a giant party for this son. This is the kind of father that Jesus teaches us about. And So when we kneel down before our heavenly father, we don't have to fear that we will be rejected or some that some door will be slammed shut in our face because of something that we've done or some sin that we've committed or some way that we have offended God. When we kneel down before the Father, He comes to us. He pulls us close to Him. He embraces us tightly and He kisses us. He accepts us. This is a beautiful picture of affection and tenderness that the Father has for us. By the way, fathers, I think this is a good note for us as dads. And how we should relate to our own children. That we should be affectionate with them. We should be accepting of them. We should get down on their level and embrace them and kiss them and hold them. Be free with our emotion and our affection for them. Be free with our love. And here's why I think that's important. Because uh, this is another characteristic of our Heavenly Father, that He is generous. Our Father, Abba Father, is generous. When, when Jesus walked among the people, the baseline understanding of what a father was supposed to do in that culture was that they would provide for their family. Where there was want, they would provide for it. They would fulfill it. Where there was need, they, it would be cared for. The, the Father, He provided the structure for the household. Whenever there was any kind of chaos or... Anything He would create order there. And this was often done provisionally. So if there was need for food, water, shelter, clothing, education, love, care, whatever it was, all of these things, it was the Father's responsibility to provide for it. Now that's not real generosity, by the way. That's, that's mere responsibility. But the everlasting Father, He goes beyond that. In Matthew 7, verse 11, Jesus says, If you, speaking to dads, if you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? And I, and I don't think Jesus can be much clearer here. He's saying, even you dads who are broken, even you dads who, who will fail, even you dads who don't always know how to express your love or how to provide for your kids in the most appropriate ways, even you who dads who, who are like that, you still want to bless your children. How much more will a perfect Father provide for his children. And theologically, we see this played out in, in the forgiveness of our sins and, and ultimately in our reconciliation with God. See, it would have been enough. It would have been enough for Jesus to die just for the forgiveness of our sins. That's enough, right? We we're made righteous through his death, we're made right before God and, and relationship with God is restored, but that's not all that Jesus did. Through his death and resurrection, we're also reconciled to God. And what that means is this. See, not only are we brought into right relationship with him, but we're also made a part of his family. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the king. And that means that we are heirs to his kingdom. We have inheritance in the everlasting. And, and, and we get to see a present taste of what it means to be an heir of the kingdom of God. We get to experience the, the the gifts and the blessing of the Father through physical and spiritual and emotional healing here. Here on earth. He lets us approach His throne with grace and mercy and ask Him for very specific things. Things that our hearts long for and he wants us to. We don't have to go to our heavenly Father with broad or abstract prayers because we're afraid that he's not going to answer them. Rather, he's generous with us. He loves it when we come to him as as Abba and we ask him for the desires of our hearts. We should pray specifically for the things that we want. If you need healing in a specific area of your life, ask your Father who gives generously. If you need reconciliation in a relationship, ask your Abba Father who gives generously. If Whatever the need is or whatever the desire is that's in your heart, ask the Abba Father who gives generously and trust His generosity. Believe that He will bless you. Now this all leads to uh, another characteristic of our wonderful heavenly father and that is how god is so intentional and purposeful in the way that he leads us and guides us in the ways that he's affectionate towards us and generous with us the everlasting father in no way wants to crush our dreams we, we shouldn't expect the everlasting father to be like our earthly father's I know that some of us had dads that didn't believe in our dreams or didn't believe that we would be capable of living out the things that we really wanted. They thought that we were limited in the same ways that they were limited. But our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Recently, um, I was facing some difficult decisions, and uh, I was reflecting on a lot of the stuff that was happening in my world that were hard. They were painful. A lot of things happening around me that I was brought into. That I, it was it was a difficult time, and and I I had this thought um, that may not have been a holy thought, <laughs> um, but I, I I was I was kind of I was praying to God, and I was like, God, the longer that I'm alive the harder this life is. And I don't like it. Like I, I don't like living in the midst of so much pain and so much suffering. I, I, I don't like being in this space. And, and, and I know that many of you might hear me say that the, the, the character of Jesus is affectionate, it's generous, he's purposeful. But then you look at your life just like I did, and you might say, but Jeremy... If God is so generous, or if God is so affectionate, or if God is so intentional, then why would he let me experience this? I'm struggling with my finances, or my marriage is about to fall apart, or, or, you know, this, these people around me that I care for and want to experience so much time with, they're, they're, they're suffering with disease or, or pain, and where is God in the midst of it? Why am I not seeing any of the blessing in my life? And and I want to say, I understand that question. And because um, I'm a bit of a coward, I'm going to quote Rich Nathan instead of telling you what I actually think about it. And if you have a problem with what he has to say, he works at Vineyard Columbus (laughs) on Cooper Road. And you can deal with him on that. He and I are not close friends, and I have a feeling we may never be after this. But, um, in fact, he doesn't even know me. But uh, anyway, this, but this is this is what Rich Nathan says, and and I really I value this. I think it's it's such good wisdom for us. He says we completely miss the loving purpose of our Father because we always interpret trials and difficulties in ways different than the meaning God intends for these trials. The Bible tells us that many of the trials and difficulties that we experience are proof of God's love rather than proof of his neglect. Here's what the Bible says about some of those things that we experience. This is what Hebrews 12 uh, verses 5 and 6 say, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. The author of Hebrews continues in verse 9. He says, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. From the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I know that not everything that we experience in in life that's painful is discipline. But I do know that in the midst of those things, God will use those experiences, that pain to shape us and to change us all for the good. And and I I think one of the things that we must learn as God's children, children of the affectionate Father, the generous Father, the purposeful Father, is that instead of asking the question, why me, God? Why is this happening to me? We learn to ask the question, what, Abba Father, do you have for me to learn from this? How can this experience shape me more into your likeness? See, some of us had dads that disciplined us because they lost their patience. Some of us had dads that disciplined us because they got angry. Some of us had dads that that didn't discipline us at all. They never showed us how to live rightly. Some of us had dads who screamed at us because of their own emotional depravity. But our Father, our Heavenly Father, when He disciplines us, it's for a purpose. It's for the purpose of transforming our hearts and our minds, our attitudes, and our emotions, and our actions, so they can be like Jesus's. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be set apart to experience shalom, the wholeness of peace. But we only get there when we listen to our Father that has good purposes for us. The perfect father that we see in Jesus wants everyone to be completely free from everything that robs us of joy. No matter what your earthly father was like, the everlasting father is infinitely better. So as we sit in this Advent season and we reflect on the birth of Jesus, him coming to us in humanly form, him showing us what the everlasting perfect Heavenly Father is, let us continue to worship him and thank him that he provides us a way to experience redemption, for us to experience reconciliation to a father that is good and perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You sent Your perfect Son to us. To be a model for us, to love us. To show us what it means to experience the love of a perfect Father. And I pray that while we may not be able to understand it, what it means to be loved by the perfect Father because of what we've experienced from our earthly fathers. Lord, I pray that our hearts might be turned. Our hearts might be adjusted so that we can experience Your perfect love. Lord, I pray that You would heal those wounded places. I pray that, that You would see us in our pain and, and know that in the places where we believe the lies that we believe because of our fathers, Lord, that You would speak truth into those areas. I pray today that we would experience healing, full healing, so that we can understand what it means to be embraced, accepted, and held closely by a Father that loves us no matter what. So God, today, let us come to your throne. Let us walk to you boldly, crying out, Abba, Father, my Daddy. I need you, Daddy. Show me your love. Show me your acceptance. Show me your mercy. Show me your affection and generosity. Mold me and make me into the kind of child, the son or daughter that You want me to be. God, we pray these things today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we sing one last song of worship. We sing it to Jesus saying, You are the everlasting Father. Thank You. Now this week as we go out, This third week of the Advent, I want to encourage you to to find some space to be alone and to kneel down before your everlasting Father and experience His love and His affection, His generosity and His blessing. Understand what it may mean to, to transform your understanding of who God is through the lens of Jesus rather than through the lens of any wounding that you may have experienced. Let this week of Advent be an opportunity for you to be made more into the likeness of Jesus. I pray these things for you, church. Thank you so much for coming. We hope to see you next week and also at our Christmas Eve service on Monday night. So uh, go and be well. Thanks, church. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Audio. If you're loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. By using the hashtag, GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GotoQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.